stay fly. Stay but one fly. night I went in the nightclub, club owner said to, a uh, club manager said to me, when, when I walked in, he said, well, talk to you after tonight's show. I said to the guys in the band, they got to talk, we've been selling out for six months, we got standing room on the audience, we about to get our raise, we about to get paid. I walked in his office that night, he said, you were great. I said, thank you. People loved you. I said, thank you. We've made a lot of money since you've been here. Yes. He said, that's why it's hard for me to tell you what I got to tell you. The owners of the club have decided they got to get a better return on investment. So stay fly. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly. Stay fly. The views expressed on the Fly Guy podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy podcast are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Arnie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vaughner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right, we have a countdown of 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, when our networking time is over, have your seats, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of celebration, a round of applause. All right. We're getting ready to bring in a person, a mentor, a leader, a visionary, who the Ford Motor Company credits to keeping them from going out of business. Let that marinate for a second. Ford Motor Company credits this mentor, this visionary, this leader for staying in business. He's toured the world with Les Brown. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, so I got a chance to hear Les Brown on the radio when he was a disc jockey. He visited my high school before he became the Les Brown that we knew. And there was a song by Midnight Star, uh, No Parking on the Dance Floor. And he told us, y'all remember that, right? He said, don't park it on the dance floor, park it in the library. Don't park it on the dance floor, park it in your college. And it was that type of visionary work that have led me and others to do the things we're doing now. And to know that this man is toured with the likes of Les Brown speaks reams and just shows the greatness that we have in front of us. Best-selling books, turning setbacks into greenbacks. Let's let that marinate. That deserves a round of applause. Just a title. Turning setbacks into greenbacks. Another bestseller, a setback is a setup for a comeback. That sounds like a sermon. <laughs> wow, wow. International best-selling author and speaker with a number one show on XM Radio, Wealthy Ways. Friends and family, ladies and gentlemen, Hampton Rose, let's give it up for Dr. Willie Jolly. Well, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute. But our eternities are wrapped up in it. Good morning, Hampton Roads and Hampton, Virginia. Thank you for letting me be here. Good morning. Good morning. I want to thank Jimmy Gray for those kind words. I want to thank uh, Sekou. Sekou. 
for that great introduction. And then I got to take a special moment to thank Blair Durham for being a leader and proactive. She's proactive. So I'm going to give you a quick synopsis how this happened that I would be here speaking to you. First of all, some years ago, uh, I met a woman from Hampton, Virginia. And she's a crabber. I think that's what they call people from here. And so uh, we are married. That's her back there. That's her. All right. She, she grew up on Delaware Avenue and went to uh, school here in high school in Hampton. Her father pastored a church on Shell Road and had a grocery store in, uh, on Ivy Ivy Avenue in Newport News. They were entrepreneurs, her mom and dad. And we got married. And her brother is being honored today here in Hampton at what high school is it, dear? That your brother's been? Phoenix. Phoenix High School. I don't think that's around anymore, is it? No. So you show you how long my, my brother in law been out of high school. Anyway. So my wife said to me about a month ago, a little over a month ago, we're going to put on your schedule. I put on, she said, I put on your schedule. We're going to be in Hampton on July 13th. And I said, well, I wasn't planning on going to Hampton on the 13th of July. I have that weekend. Some, she said, we're going to Hampton because my brother is being honored. I said, I guess I'm going to Hampton. So then... I had a conversation with a friend of mine who worked for Cox Communication. I spoke for Cox for the annual convention a number of years. And then this lady, I had spoken for her team in San Francisco. Then we went to Boston with different teams. And I mentioned I'd be coming. She said, oh my goodness, I've got to let the folks at the Hampton Roads uh, Chamber of Commerce know because I've been telling them about you. you. You said you would come sometime to speak. Now, she had asked me two, three years ago if I'd come speak for the Hampton Roads Chamber of Commerce. But at that point, I was on the Get Motivated Tour. I replaced Zig Ziglar when he passed away on the Get Motivated Tour with my Myself and Les Brown were touring all over the country and we we're doing two cities a week. I did not have any time to do anything else. And so I said, when she first asked, I said, I can't do it. So I called her and said, I'm, the tour is over. I'm, I'm coming to Hampton. She said, let me make some calls. So the next day, the president of the Hampton Rose Chamber called and said, we got to do an event while you're here. We've been wanting you for a couple of years to come and speak. And so we did something on Thursday for the Hampton Rose Chamber of Commerce. Now, they put an ad in the paper or somewhere. I don't know where the ad was. Uh, a week ago, or maybe a little over a week, 10 days ago, I get a text from a dear friend of mine who had just come from George Frazier's uh, Power Networking Conference. Any, anybody go to that, by the way? The good thing to know about, so you know about Power Networking, where the, the, the biggest networking event for African Americans in America. Well, I've spoken there a number of times. Anyway, this lady was at George Frazier's Power Networking Conference. She met a guy named J.R. Fenwick. J.R. is the president and CEO of Flip That Stock. You want to write that down. Flip That Stock. It's a program to teach African Americans primarily how to flip stocks, how to make money in the stock market. Anyway, he and I are dear friends. We've been friends for many years. J.R. said he get this text. I'm, I don't even know, remember where I was, but I get this text from J.R. He said, a lady I met at Power Networking named Blair Durham 
saw in an ad that you were coming to Hampton Roads area. She wants to know, can she talk to you? I said, sure, give her my number. So she calls me. She said, would you consider speaking for the black chamber? I said, absolutely. Oh, that's who I really want to talk to. And so she was proactive. So I want to give her a big round of applause. She said, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to find a place. And I told her my, my restraints and time and so forth. She said, I will make it happen. I will make it happen. So she did. And so I'm grateful. And so I want to shout her out. And I want to, again, shout the, the elected officials out here. And I got to give one more shout out to my brother right here in the front row. This is Bruce Williams. Bruce Williams is an advertising exec. But more importantly, Bruce Williams is a friend of mine. He brought me here about 22, 23 years ago to speak for 200 plus men. There was a guy named, uh, what was his name? Huh? Hugo Owens. Dr. Hugo Owens was the president. He had been the president of the Right, but he had been one of the originators, but he had been the president of the National Dental Association. Yeah, Hugo Owens. And he was a great dentist, leader, and and and, and Bruce invited me and I, I, I spoke and Hugo Owens said something that changed my life. He said, young man, I'm going to tell you something. I've only been speaking at that point four or five years. He said, young man, I heard a guy speak who reminds me of you and you remind me of him. His name was Benjamin Mays. Benjamin Mays, who was Martin Luther King. He said, you have the same kind of sound in your voice. I said, you actually heard Dr. Mays. He said, I heard Dr. Mays. I knew Dr. Mays. You remind me of Dr. Mays. And so that piece I start with, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, was written by Dr. Benjamin Mays. For those who don't know who Benjamin Mays was, he was Martin Luther King Jr.'s mentor. When Martin Luther King Jr. went to Morehouse College, Benjamin Mays was the mentor that inspired him. In fact, I'll give you a little quick point from one of my books while I'm thinking about it, but I don't want to forget this. Benjamin Mays, imagine this scenario. Hot summer day, 1944. You're in the campus of Morehouse College, sweltering hot day. But on that sweltering hot day, there's a gentleman in his office, Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays, sitting in his office, dabbing the perspiration from his brow. There's a big old wooden fan that's blowing over in the corner, blowing hot air, but he still is dignified, shirt and tie, just looking great and wonderful. And there's a knock on his door. He says, come in. The big wooden door swings open, and in the doorway is a man and a teenage boy. Dr. Mays jumped to his feet to grab the hand of the man. Martin Luther King Sr., Daddy King. He says, Daddy King, my friend, come on in. Daddy King says, come on in, son. He said, Dr. Mays, I know you're busy. I'm not going to take a lot of your time. I just want to introduce you to my son, ML. His real name is Martin Luther King Jr., but we call him ML. He's 15 years old and he just graduated from high school. He's going to college here in the fall. 15, just graduated from high school, going to college. Very bright boy. And he's a good boy. Never giving me a stitch of trouble. But he's missing something. And I came here today to ask a big favor. A big favor. No, 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 no. I don't need tuition. It's bigger than that. No, I don't need room and board. It's more critical than that. I came here today to ask you if you teach my son how to dream big dreams. Would you teach my boy how to dream impossible dreams? 
And Dr. Mays took the, on the task. And he gave young ML a piece. And he said, young man, read this piece. Read it every day, and it will change your life. And young ML read it every day, and it changed his life. And one day, I got hold of that piece. And I started reading it every day. And it changed my life. And then I wrote my first book. And I put this piece in the book. And the book started going out around the country and around the world. And I started getting emails and, and messages from people around America. Then from people in China and Nigeria and India and South Africa who said, I read that piece in your book. Page 11, changed my life. It's so profound, but yet so simple. It simply reads, it must be borne in mind that the tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching your goal. No. The tragedy lies in not having a goal to reach for. It is not a calamity to die with your dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity not to dream. It is not a disaster to be unable to capture your ideals, but it is a disaster to have no ideals to capture. It is not a disgrace not to reach the stars, but it is a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. Not failure, but low aim is sin. Dr. Mays taught young ML, and we all know the power of his message because we, he stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial one day and gave a speech called, I have a... So folks, the first thing I want to talk to you about is the power of your dreams. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share, and I'm gonna call this family time. Is that okay with y'all? This is family time. Hampton is my my home, my other home. And so I'm very grateful that uh, this is family time. Now, before I get started talking about the dream, I gotta talk about my dream, who is standing outside. See, I'm a newlywed. I told you we got married, but she graduated some years. She's from Hampton, but we're newlyweds. Oh, y'all supposed to clap. Yeah, we newlyweds. June 28th, we celebrated 34 years of marriage. <laughs> now, Pete, there she is back there. She turns me on. We newlyweds. 34 years. We've been married for 34 years. People always ask, well, how you say you, you're newlyweds? Because I still got the five for her. That's how. I tell people publicly, I tell them privately, I would crawl over broken glass to get to that woman. I told her one day, I said, if you leave me, I'm coming with you. <laughs> so we, uh, we, that's my dream, and I'm very grateful. I got married here in Hampton at City Hall 34 years ago on June 28th. I took her out to lunch. I got to tell y'all this story. Then I can tell y'all about a dream. I tell you. So here's the story. Uh, she came from Hampton. She graduated from Hampton, from Phoenix, and she went to Howard University. And then she stayed in D.C., and I met her some years after she had, uh, she had become a teacher. And then she went to corporate America, and I met her, and we started dating. And she had been married before and divorced, so she said she wasn't getting married no more. And I met her, I said, ho, 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 hold up. <laughs> Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So I kept talking to her, but we became fast, best friends. 
And we dated for four years. I'd come down here to Hampton, and her mom and dad, her dad was a pastor. Her mom was a uh, first lady, but they had a grocery store. They had a beauty salon. They were entrepreneurs. They were entrepreneurs. Anyway, so we, we've been dating, and I said, you know, wouldn't you, you should, marriage, you should, we should talk about getting married. She said, no, I'm not interested. You, you know, I'm not interested. I'm not doing that again. I said, but, you know, we best friends. We should get married. And I kept talking, talking, talking. She kept saying, no, 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 no. Well, one, she came down here, for, and then she moved down here to run her father's enterprises. And so I was coming down, you know, every month or so to get to, to visit. Well, one, one weekend, a buddy of mine says he and his wife are going to Virginia Beach for a weekend. They're leaving on Thursday. I said, Thursday? I can, can I ride down with you? So I call him and tell him, hey, look, I'm coming down. I'll be there Thursday evening, and we can just hang out on Friday. I've never been there on a Friday. You can show me around after. She said, oh, okay. Well, come on down, Mom. We gotta, we'll get the guest room open. So the next morning, I, I wake up. I said, let's go to Fisherman's Wharf. That was my favorite place. Y'all remember what Fisherman's Wharf used to be used to be here in Hampton? Y'all remember what it used to be in Hampton? And, and so I said, let's go to Fisherman's Wharf and, and have some lunch. She said, oh, go Okay, and so on the way to Fisherman's Wharf, I said, now, I know you keep telling me that it's not possible, that you're not interested, and that it's it's not possible, but I want to make sure I got the right wording. Did you say impossible, or you say improbable that we would ever get married? Uh, she said, you know, it's not, I guess it's not impossible, but it's not probable. It's improbable. I said, okay, in that case, there's a means that there's a possibility that one day you might change your mind. Am I right about it? And she said, well, there is possible. I guess. I said, okay, okay, okay. So we're here in Hampton. We're on our way to Fisherman's Wharf. Why don't we at least figure out I can learn what the system would be if you ever change your mind. So I said, let's just stop by the city hall just to get some information, some data, some data, some information. He said, oh, oh. but I'm hungry. I said, we're just going to stop for a few minutes. We stop in city hall and I said to the lady at the front desk, I said, look, now, uh, if you're going to get married, do you need a, a blood test? you need a three-day wait? What do you got to do? She said, in Virginia, all you need is a license. I said, that's all you need? She said, all you need is a license. I said, how much would a license be? She said, $7. I said, $7. I said to my, my perspective, I said, now look, $7, you know, if, if, how, ma'am, how long is this thing good for? She said, it's good for a year. I said, now in a year, you might change your mind. I wouldn't have to go through this process again. We could do it. I'd have the license. She said, it's your $7. Do what you want. Anyway, I get the license. I get the license. And I say to the lady, I said, now, now if you were going to get married, and you had a license, and what would be your next step? She said, you go to the Justice of Peace. I'm saying, I said, Justice of Peace, I'm saying. She said, but there's always a three-week wait for that Justice of Peace. Always. He's always backed up. I said, okay, okay, okay. I said to her, now look, how about this? How, how about this? We here, at least let's just do some information, do an informational survey of the Justice Peace Office. Let's go up the steps and just go to see if, if they ever change your mind, how the process would go. We need to do an information. And the more I'm talking, I'm talking faster and faster. Well, we get up to the Justice Peace Office and I say to the lady, now, I got a license. And, and if I had a, somebody who said yes, and, and, and if you had, and she, and she said, well, if you had that, you would just get in the, on the line, you get on the docket and, and you get, but the docket is always three weeks back. Code, but we just had a cancellation. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, I was a married man. <laughs> now, I will say she has said 
since that day was the best decision she ever made. So we have a we have a 33 year old son who is an attorney, and we travel all over the world, and we get to be together, and we're best friends. So very grateful for Hampton, Virginia. So this is family time, okay? Y'all family. So I'm gonna tell you the inside real deal secrets to success. And if you use them, they will use them. I will encourage you to take some notes. Because I believe a short pencil is better than a long memory any day of the week. First thing, I talked about the power of the dream. You got to have a dream. You know, you hear people talk about the power of the dream, but it is critical to your success. You got to get a dream, something that's burning in your spirit. For those who don't know, who's heard me speak before in any in, in time? Who's never heard me speak before? Who had never heard of me before you got this thing? Okay, I need to take a moment to introduce who I am so you'll know my story. 35 years ago or so, I was finishing college. I put myself through college by singing jingles. I was in the music industry. My brother was the first jazz graduate from Howard University. He opened the jazz department. We both were in the music industry. I, my brother and I created a jingle company. And a jingle company, we created jingles. For those who don't know what jingles are, they're television and radio commercials. And for many years, I was one of the top jingle singers on the East Coast. I sang jingles for lots of products, many of them you've heard. Pizza Hut making it great. We work well together. News for and you. BET, Black Entertainment TV. So I sang jingles during the day, but I made the majority of my income singing at night at, in nightclubs. That's where I made my living. I was a nightclub singer, singing in dark, dank, smoke filled nightclubs, singing songs I hated. But I kept on paying, singing them because they kept on paying me. See, one song I couldn't stand, I hated it. Feelings, I hate that song. <laughs> but every night the club would say, sing feelings, sing feelings. And I'd sing it loud and strong because I was trying to get discovered. Not knowing most people too drunk to discover their way out the front door. Well, I bought a new house, sports car. We are making some money in that nightclub. People were packing it in. People would line up at 7 o'clock for the 8 o'clock show, 9 o'clock for the 10 o'clock show. I won the award Best Jazz Singer, Best Entertainer, Best Performer. Things were going good. We were getting written, written up and things were going good. They were packing in and things were just great. But one night I went in the nightclub. Club owner said to, a club manager said to me, when, when I walked in, he said, well, I'll talk to you after tonight's show. I said to the guys in the band, they want to talk. We've been selling out for six months. We got standing room on the audience. We about to get our raise. We about to get paid. I walked in his office that night. He said, you were great. I said, thank you. People loved you. I said, thank you. We've made a lot of money since you've been here. Yes. He said, that's why it's hard for me to tell you what I got to tell you. The owners of the club have decided they got to get a better return on investment. And the only way to do that with a full packed out nightclub is the lower cost. And the band's the biggest cost. And there's something else going around the country that's packing out nightclubs that's a lot cheaper than a band. We bought a karaoke machine. I said, what? What? What about my bills? I learned that night, nobody care about your bills. 
but you and the people you owe. Am I right about it? I was devastated. Because all I knew to do was be a singer. I was devastated because I had built this club for them into a massive success, but I still got fired. And many people in America are going through the same situation. They work hard, but they got caught up in a numbers game. They got caught up in some sort of economic downturn. Or, or they just got to a certain age, people said they might not think they, they think they were as productive. And so they let them go. Well, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was just, I was depressed. I didn't want to get out of bed. But a friend of mine blessed me with something. He gave me a cassette motivational tape. I had never heard a motivational talk. And on this tape was a guy named Charlie Tremendous Jones, one of the early motivational speakers. And Charlie Jones said on this tape something that was life-changing. He said, in five years, you'll be the same person you are today, except two things. The people you meet who inspire you and the books you read that empower you. What was that? The people you meet who inspire you, the books you read that empower you. Wow. And that same friend gave me one other thing. He gave me a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. How many of y'all read Think and Grow Rich? How many have not read Think and Grow Rich? Okay, good. It's made more millionaires than any other book that's ever been written other than the Bible. That was the first book I ever read from cover to cover. Changed my thinking. And I said, maybe. And I started working on my dream. And I had read somewhere that if you can get a clarity in your dream, not just something fuzzy, but a clear dream. And there was an exercise that helped me in this process. As I started reading more books, there was an exercise. And I'm going to give you all the exercise. Imagine you day you went to the doctor. Doctor said, I got good news and bad news. Let me give you the bad news first. You got one year to live. You have a very rare illness that guarantees for sure you will die one year from today. Not a day earlier, not a day afterwards. 365 days from today, you will die. Very rare illness. Let me give you the good news. It's a very rare illness. It also guarantees that anything you attempt in the next 364 days, you will achieve. What 10 things would you attempt if you could not fail? Wow. And I sat down. I said, if I couldn't fail, what would I want to do? I, 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 if I couldn't fail, I'd like to. I'd like to. I remember writing it. I'd like to make at least $100,000. If I could just make $100,000. If I couldn't fail, I'd like to have my wife work with me. She was working on Capitol Hill for Herb Bateman first, who was this area, and then she worked for Ron Dellums. I said, I'd like to have her work for me. She runs their offices. She could run my If I couldn't fail, I, I, I'd like to maybe give some, maybe some speeches. If I couldn't fail, maybe I could maybe write a book or something. If I couldn't fail, maybe I could do some television. I started working on that dream. Because see, when you got time sensitivity and it's, it's, it's a hard, urgent need, you start to focus on that dream. So I wrote down 10 things that I would go after I couldn't fail. And I started reading that sheet every day. In fact, that sheet today is still in my Bible. And it's dated. I remember the day that I wrote it. Anyway, 
started dreaming and then I started feeling that maybe there were some possibilities. And I, that dream started to empower my thoughts about my I took a job while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the Washington, D.C. public school system as a drug prevention coordinator, talking to little kids about staying away from drugs. And it was during that year I started giving little speeches as part of my job. And for the little kids, I got invitations to talk to the bigger kids. And for the bigger kids, to the teachers and the teachers' association. In fact, I was here some years ago at the Scope speaking for Hampton City Schools for the opening of schools. And so I started speaking for more and more school systems. And then one day I'm speaking in a little teeny weeny room, only about 12 people, about this, about the size of this area right here. But the doorway was open. And while I'm fired up talking to this group, they, they were going to have a big motivational rally down the hall that night. And while I'm speaking to these folks, one of the speakers from that night's rally walked by. His name was Les Brown. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. And he stood outside listening to my message. When I finished speaking, he came and said, young man, you got quite a talent. I'm putting together a tour. I think you'd be the perfect opening act. You speak and you sing. We're putting a tour together called the Music and Motivation Dream Team Tour. Are you interested? I said, I think so. <laughs> a few months later, we kicked off the Les Brown Dream Team Motivation and Music Tour, which featured Les Brown, Billy Preston, Gladys Knight, and a little guy from Washington, D.C. is the opening act. Because of Les and Gladys, they introduced me to some radio people. And I got a little radio show. And it got popular, got syndicated. You can now hear me on Sirius XM, where I now have the number one self-help show in America. And, and you'll soon be hearing me on a daily radio show every morning, national radio show. I can't say the name yet because I haven't signed a contract. But a daily national radio show every morning. Uh, started, I think, in the next couple weeks because the contracts have been done. And then, because of the radio show, one day a book publisher called my office. He said, hey, look, I've been listening to you on the radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I said, no, I never thought about it. He said, let me make you an offer. I said, I just thought about it. <laughs> My first book came out in 1997 called It Only Takes a Minute to Change Your Life. Now over a million copies worldwide. Been translated into eight languages. I recently got the newest translation, Korean. I don't know what it says, but it sure does look good. <laughs> My second book is the one most people know me by around the world. It's called A Setback is a Setup for a Comeback. As you said, uh, that this will preach, yes it did. In fact, I thank all the preachers who have made this an international bestseller. Bishop Jakes and, and Joe Olsen just about every Sunday on TV says, I sat back nothing but a set up for a comeback. And somebody said to me one day, said, he never says your name. I said, I know I sent him the book. <laughs> so every time he says, a set back nothing but a set up for a comeback, I scream at that television, say it again, Joe. Say that thing one more time. Because every time he says my mind says, ching, ching, baby, ching, ching. Because if you Google a setback and set up for a comeback, you don't see his face on the book. You see my face on the book. Anyway, and then my third book was called Turn Setback into Greenback. My fourth book is An Attitude of Excellence. My fifth book is a book my wife and I, met, I wrote called Make Love, Make Money, Make It Last. We've been married for 34 years, haven't had an argument in over 30 years. Now, someone asked, you never had an argument? I said, I didn't say that. I said, we haven't had an argument in 30 years. Those first couple years were like World War III. <laughs> but we learned some principles from some wise mentors. Write this one down. There are two ways to any goal. Mentors and mistakes. Both will get you there. One just gets you there with less headaches, heartaches, and knots upside your head. 
Get you some mentors in any area of your life. You should have a mentor in business. You should have a mentor in your health. You should have a mentor in your marriage. So we got some marriage mentors who taught us some principles that kept them from arguing and it worked for us. And then we wrote the book and then we interviewed people who've been married 67, 50, 60, and 70 years and we put their information. This book is just blown up. You can also catch us every Monday night on my Facebook page or Facebook Live where we do Happily Married Monday with the Jollies. We want to save a million marriages and enhance a million more. So the book started coming out. Television and radio. Then and the things started having radio. Then I started getting PBS specials. And then things started growing. And then things started making happen. And then I got I got one call from another. And then in 1999, I got a call. I was in Dallas, Texas. My phone going crazy. Urgent, urgent, urgent. I called my office. What's so urgent? Toastmasters International keeps calling. What do they they say? I'm not a member of Toastmasters. What? That's the big speaking organization. What do they want? They say it's urgent. I called Toastmasters. I said, hi, this is Willie Jolly. Willie Jolly, we've been awaiting your call. We just want to let you know you've just been named one of the outstanding five speakers in the world for this year. Former winners include Colin Powell, Norman Schwarzkopf, Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, Christopher Reeve. I said, what? You sure you got the right person? My name is Willie Jolly. Willie, Willie, Willie Jolly, Willie Jolly. She said, the one from Washington, D.C.? I said, yeah, the one who wrote the book, Setback, Set Up for a Comeback? Yeah, you're the one. I said, you must be mistaken. Them big dogs. I'm a little dog. I speak to school kids. I speak to churches. I even speak at people's family reunions. I'm a little dog. And a lady said something I'll never forget. She said, let me tell you something. Little dog keep yapping loud enough and strong enough. Big dog start to hear about you. Moral of the story. Just think if I never had a dream. What's your dream? Now let me go back to that story of sitting in that, of writing those 10 things when I was at a low point. Somebody told me, write 10 things if you couldn't fail. I wrote those 10 things. I just hope I can make $100,000. I hope my wife can come work for me. If I, could, if I couldn't fail, I'd write a book. I'd do some television radio. Let me tell you, I wrote 10 things on that sheet. Everything has come true except one. I don't have the plane with my name on it yet. But everything else, in fact, I was working for the school system when I started speaking. I was making $27,500 a year. That was my salary. I didn't have any benefits to speak of because I was a contract worker. $27,500 a year. I told you my goal was just if I could only make $100,000 a year, I'd be so happy. I recently spoke in Dubai for Johnson & Johnson. I spoke for one hour. One hour. I'm not telling you this to impress you, just to show you what's going on. They say they pay me $65,000 to come for one hour and put me up in the hotel for a week. time I think about it, I got to give God some glory. Am I right about it? I got to give God some glory. All right? I ain't ashamed to talk about giving God glory. All right? Sometimes I wonder if you're dreaming, please don't wake me up. I'm encouraging you to start dreaming. Some of you got some things that you have been, you have been limited to because somewhere in your life somebody told you you couldn't do it. Somebody told you something negative that you took as gospel. That because of where you come from. Or because of the color of our skin. 
or because of our level of education that we are limited. But what really happens is we limit ourselves. Now, when we hear negative information, it does impact us. It does. But we at some point have to say they were wrong. And that's what I had to do, say I, they were wrong. So I want you to dream. Everybody say dream. dream. Next thing you got to do if you're going to really make this happen, you got to decide. Decide. You got to make a decision. Decision is taken from the Greek word to cut. You make an incision, you cut in. You make a decision, you cut off. If you're going to be all you were born to be and you're going to do all you were born to do, you're going to have to make a decision to cut off some negative people. And some of those negative people are in your inner circle. And let me tell you something. They are not trying to be mean-spirited. They just happen to suffer from possibility blindness. Oh, baby. You want to start a business? Oh, baby. Aunt Sally tried to start a business once. She ain't make it. She went bankrupt. Baby, you best stay where you at. Bless your heart. Oh man, you want to go back to school? At your age? What? Man, you know you're too old to go back to school. Go back to school now. Man, you better stay where you at. Bless your heart. Anybody ever heard that it's going to be painful if you try something? Yeah, well let me let you in on a secret. It's painful either way. If you do nothing with your life, it's going to be painful. You go out here become the next Bill Gates, it's going to be painful. So that's how you got to go through pain. Anywho, you might as well go for the gusto. You might as well go all in. Start dreaming about being a billionaire. Why not be a billionaire? Why not being a billionaire? Other people have been a billionaire. Why not? Uh, well, somebody might say, well, you know, because we black. That don't mean nothing. Oprah black. Bob Johnson black. The guy who just gave that scholarship at, at, at Morehouse Black, that means that if they can do it, I can do it. You can do it. But you got to dream about it. The other one is that age. Well, your age is what's limited here. Ah, wrong again. Age has nothing to do with your success unless you allow it to. I always use this analogy. Colonel Sanders was 65 when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He had this idea for a new tasty way of cooking chicken. He started asking people would they allow him to cook chicken and show his recipe to them and start and buy a franchise from him. 995 people said no. Someone in the next five said yes. He became a millionaire after the age of 65. Oh, oh, how about somebody else? How about uh, George Burns? I like him. He was 99 years old. Had the nerve to sign a 10-year contract with Caesar's Palace. <laughs> said he would have signed a 20-year contract, but he didn't think they'd be in business. <laughs> the Delaney sisters were in their 90s, decided to write a book Everybody said, you're wasting your time writing a book. They were in their 90s. Wrote a book called Having Our Say. 
It went on to become a New York Times bestseller, a Broadway play, a PBS special. They became multi-millionaires after the age of 90 because they didn't let their age limit them. Best example, Satchel Paige. Pitching in the Negro Leagues in his 50s. In his 50s, he was still pitching in the Negro Leagues, burning them up. They said, how is it you pitching in the Negro Leagues in your 50s? He said, because age is about mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. So I'm encouraging you to dream and don't let your age and don't your, let your present circumstances determine your future possibilities. We need more millionaires in our community. We need more people who did what Brother Smith did, pay off people's tuition and more hours. We need that. And the only one limits us is us. Are there going to be racism? Yes. In fact, I'm so glad you talked about the 400 years, because my, my brother-in-law and I had talked about that a year ago and the big event that was going to be happening here. They had some glasses they made. Uh, I was on the Money Wise tour with Kelvin Boston, and uh, somebody gave me some glasses who was from Hampton that they're doing a whole big celebration. So I'll put some word out about that, okay? I'll put the word out about that because people need to know about that. I'm encouraging you to dream first, then to decide. You stay away from negative people. Stay away from negative influences. I have a hard, fast rule. I don't hang around negative people. I just don't do it. Some of them in my family. I learned to love them from afar. You gotta learn to love them from, uh, if they are, if they always just negative, 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 it impacts your spirit. I'll give you an example. If you woke up today and it was cold and clammy and wet and dreary, what does your body want to do? Stay in bed. But if you woke up and the birds were singing, the sun was shining, it was a beautiful day, you don't want to miss any of that day, do you? The same is true for your psyche. If you keep hearing how bad things are, how bad situations are, oh, how woe is me, things are, it puts a cloud over your thinking. That's why I wake up every morning and I start my day the same way. I was talking to a gentleman last week. He was struggling with depression. I said, what's your daily routine? He said, I get up, I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, put my clothes on, I wash, put my clothes on, I get breakfast, and I go to work. I said, I'm going to give you a new routine. Here's what I do every morning. I wake up every morning, and as soon as my eyes open, I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I get another shot. After I thank him, I fall on my knees and I give God some glory. I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. I pray for my grandchildren. I pray for my children who messing up, okay? How many of y'all got some children who are not perfect? I ain't got, I got, I got some who are not perfect. They're not perfect. So I keep praying for them. God, just keep working with them. Keep them. Just don't give up on them. I ain't going to give up on them. Then after I pray for folks, then I get up and then I go brush my teeth and get washed and put my clothes on. And then... I fill myself up with the pure, the powerful, and the positive. I read or listen to something positive in the first 20 minutes of my day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Most people hear how many people got killed, how many fires are there, how little children got snatched. First thing I hear every morning is something positive. I wake up and say something like this. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. And those must run faster than the fastest lion, or it will be killed and eaten. Also every morning in Africa, a 
lion wakes up and knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It does not matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Am I right about it? You got to get busy if you want to make it happen. You got to get up with an agenda. I'm in it to win it today, baby. I do it every morning. I fill myself up with the pure, the powerful, and positive. And I tell myself, this your day. I speak to myself, this your day. This is your day to do something magnificent with this day. Don't waste this day. Because see, let me tell you something, folks. You're going to have to make some decisions about what you invest in. Do you invest in negative or positive? See, some years ago, when I was a new speaker, I kept hearing about this guy who was making millionaires down in North Carolina. And I said, man, I want to be in that number. So I called his office and I said, ma'am, I heard he makes millionaires. The lady said, absolutely. I've heard it from a number of people. She said, it's absolutely true. He changes people's thinking. He tells them how to do it. And he then he, he makes sure to stay behind them to, to get them done. I said, wow. I said, okay, 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 okay. I, I want to come to one of his seminars. She said, we got one more seminar left this year. And we got one seat. I said, ma'am, that's my seat. That's my seat. Now I'm making about $100 a speech at this point. Okay. I said, that's my seat, ma'am. I said, so I'm, I'm saying, okay, I'm telling you, I said, I gotta get that, I gotta get, I gotta register for this thing. I figured for a car, it maybe four, five hundred dollars. I said, I gotta get some more money. I only got two hundred dollars for my car, you had to pay. I said, ma'am, how much is it? She said, ten thousand dollars. I said, what you say? <laughs> <laughs> she said, ten thousand dollars. I said, for a couple of days? She said, it's ten thousand dollars. My mind said, my first thought in my mind was, forget that. I ain't paying $10,000, but I'll learn it at home. But the better part of me had heard something something somewhere, and it had heard, and I remembered it in that moment. There's a price for success. And then there's a cost for not being willing to pay the price. There's a price to go to college. There's a price to go to med school, law school, any technical school. There's a price to even go to a training academy. There's a price for success. And then there's a cost for those who are not willing to pay that price. The cost of staying the same and being at the same place next year as you are this year. Let me tell you something I know. Everybody in this room can make more money. Everybody. But not one person in this room can make more time. You got 1,440 minutes per day. And when your time is up, it is up. And nothing you can do about it. So you got to make and take advantage of every minute. I said to that lady, I said, ma'am, I'm coming. I'm sending you a deposit. I sent my little $250 and I went to work. I begged. I borrowed. I didn't steal, but I begged and borrowed. Everybody I could beg and borrow. And I got that 10 grand up. And I went to that seminar. And I came back three days later and went to work and quickly made a hundred grand. And the next time he had a seminar the next year, I bought two registration seats. One for me and one for my wife. And when it went out to 15 grand, I bought two. Because I wanted her to grow as I grew. Folks, there's a price for success. And many times we are unwilling to pay the price and we wonder why we stay the same place this year as we were last year. You got to invest in yourself. I invest in myself. I, I, I started going to seminars. I started going to workshops. I started going to programs when I couldn't afford it. 
It's like my friend Dave Martin told me when we were on the Get Motivated Tour. I'll never forget this story. It's so profound. He said when he was struggling, he went to a seminar. Maybe it was a Get Motivated Tour. I don't know what he said. Some sort of big rally kind of seminar. And the guy on stage was talking about success and said, I got this product. It's $1,500. And Dr. Dave and his buddy were there. They had just, they had pulled their money, drove together, bought some gas, came to this seminar, and, and the guy said to Dr. Dave, man, $1,500, he crazy? He crazy. Dr. Dave sat there and said a word. He went down to the man's table. And a friend said, you, you thinking about buying this? He said, uh, I am. He said, man, you think that stuff worth $1,500? Dr. Dave said, I don't know if it's worth $1,500. But I'm worth $1,500. He said, I invested in that $1,500 product and changed my thinking. He said, that is why today I have a home in Phoenix, a home in Florida, and I fly between the two in my private jet because I invested in me. I'm encouraging you. You got to dream. You got to decide. And then you got to do. You got to invest in yourself. The third one is do, 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 do. You got to take action. Invest in you. Go to the library. If you can't afford a, a, some resources, go to the library. T.D. Jakes talked about the fact that when he was struggling, he was dug, digging ditches for the utility company in West Virginia. He said, I couldn't afford the resources. I went on Mondays, my day off, and went to the library. And I sat in there all day and I started reading. If you can't afford it, go to the library. But if you can't afford it, invest in yourself. Get books, resources that will motivate you. I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on resources. Some of them I haven't even gotten to yet. It's like the book, The Road Less Traveled. I bought that book, Road Less Traveled. I didn't read the whole book. I read the first line. It was enough for me. Life is difficult, period. <laughs> so what you gonna do now? All right. So what you gonna do now? So 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 what? You, I'm I'm encouraging you to take some risk on yourself. Now I'm gonna give you a risk taking formula because you're gonna have lots of risks to come along. But you need to know a formula. That guy who taught me, well, I went to North Carolina. He taught me this formula. I'm going to teach it to you. You you got a risk that you must take, whether I invest in this product or I invest in this company or I invest in, in myself. I got to ask four questions. And these four questions will answer the risk, give you a clear answer. Question number one, what's the best that could happen if I take this risk? What's the best that could happen if I take this risk? Question number two, what's the worst that could happen if I take this risk? What's the worst that could happen if I take this risk? Question number three, what's the most likely thing to happen if I take this risk? What's the most likely thing to happen if I take this risk? Question number four, here's a wild owl. Ouch question. Are you willing to live with the worst to get to the best? So when I quit my job at the Washington, D.C. public school system, I didn't know that to ask those four questions and articulate it like that, but that was basically it. What would be the best that could happen if I quit my job to become a full-time speaker? 
I can live my dreams. I can travel around the world. I can make millions of dollars. What's the worst that could happen if I quit my job, became a full-time speaker? I could lose my house. Hmm. What's the most likely thing to happen if I quit my job and become a full-time speaker? I'm a struggle. I'm going to work hard. But if I work hard and struggle, I'm going to keep my head above water. What's the most likely thing to happen is I'll keep my job. Now, question number four. Am I willing to live with the worst? Lose my house. Notice worst that didn't come up but I would be dead. As long as I'm not dead, I can get another house. Amen? So, if the worst is I lose my house, to get to the best, live my dreams, that's an easy answer. Now, I'll give you another scenario. When I was traveling, initially, I did 200 nights a year in a hotel room. My wife was at home with my kids then. It would be nice when I'd be finished speaking and some lady who had been in the audience comes by the little hotel room I'm in and knocks on the door. I open the door. There's a beautiful lady there. She said, you were fabulous. Would you like some coffee? Four questions. What's the best that could happen? <laughs> a night of rolling in the hay. What's the worst that could happen? I could lose my wife. What's the most likely thing? Have a one night stand, never see her again. Am I willing to live with the worst, lose my wife, to get to the best? A one night stand, absolutely not. So you see, it always answers your question. It'll give you a clear answer. Go through those scenarios. It will work for you. Because you're going to have to have some risk if you want to be successful. You have to take some risk. You're going to have to take some risk. So vision. I want you to work on your vision. That dream. I want you to make that tough decision. I want you to take action on that decision. Do. And then the last one. I'm going to give you one more D. So it's dream, decide, do. And the last one is desire. You do have to want it bad. You got to want it bad. And in wanting it bad, you got to grow you. In my book, An Attitude of Excellence, my latest book, I say that great organizations, whether you're a single organization, a sole proprietor, or whether you're a big Fortune 500, great organizations always give great service. And they give great service because great organizations have great people serving their customers. Great people give great service. Good people give good service. Mediocre people only have the capacity to give mediocre service. And negative people will kill your future and your organization. So if you're serious about growing your organization, growing your success, you got to grow you. What changed my life? With that audio cassette and then the books I started reading and the people I started meeting. And I would, I would just ask them questions. When I met Les Brown, I just asked him questions. And I'd say, man, how do you do it? And we, we would be on this tour and I'd say, how? And he would just pour into me. Now we're best friends. Now sometimes I can call him, pour into him. Y'all keep him in prayer. He's been fighting cancer. 
Okay? So I call him, you know, once a week and we talk. But I got around Zig Ziglar. I said, Zig, come on, tell me some, some secrets. Zig had one line that he consistently said, you help enough other people get what they want, you get everything you want. When I was backstage in Australia with Dr. Stephen Covey, I said, Dr. Covey, come on now, tell me what are the seven habits, what's the most powerful? He said, they're all powerful. I said, what's the most powerful? He said, well, the number, he said, seek first to understand, then be understood. That's powerful. He said, but if you want the real, real one, win-win. Win-win. Figure out how you can help others win. The reason I'm here is because Blair called me. And she said, is there any way you can make it happen? I said, sure, because I believe in win-win. I know one day she's going to help me because I helped her. And here's an interesting thing. I heard a story when I was on the Get Motivated Tour. General Norman Schwarzkopf was a great army leader. And he was on the Get Motivated Tour. And they paid him $50,000 per speech. One time, he went to a city. He was going to go to a city. It was in the newspaper. And he was going to be the opening speaker that morning. A corporation in that same city called his office or called the booking agent and said, could he come speak for my team that afternoon? We'll pay him $50,000. And he said no, because it wasn't on his schedule. Yeah, that just get ready to make me cuss. <laughs> Blair called me. She said, I can't make no guarantees how many people be there. I can't guarantee how much money you're going to have. Bring your books and stuff. But are you interested? I said, yeah. Because that's how I grind. I didn't build this. I didn't get named one of the top five speakers in the world because I took it easy. I didn't take it easy. I grind. I get up and I grind. I grind all day. We had Damon John on my on, on my XM show. Go to get my podcast. By the way, go to see my podcast. My podcast will blow your mind. It's the best podcast I know of because all these people are, and it's free. iHeartRadio, C-Suite Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher. You can find it anywhere. But I have Joe, General Powell. I have Wally Famous Amos, Damon John. Let me tell you a grind story real quick about before I get to Damon. Wally Famous Amos is my dear friend. Y'all all know Wally Famous Amos, Cookie Man? Wally is now 85. On his 80th birthday, I called him. I called him every gen- it's July the 1st is his birthday. I called him July the 1st. I knew he was in Hawaii. I called him at 3 o'clock. I figured they're six hours different. He would be up. I called him and said, Wally, this is Willie. What's up, man? Happy birthday. He said, hey, Willie. How you doing, man? You still breathing? Because he got a thing. He said, when you want to be successful, just keep breathing. He said, what you, how you doing, Willie? I said, man, I'm calling to say happy birthday, Wally. How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm blessed, Willie. I'm blessed. He said, by the way, I said, so what you doing, man? Man, man by the way, right now, I'm in Costco. I said, what you, what you buying at Costco, Wally? He said, buying? I'm selling cookies, baby. <laughs> Day at 9 o'clock in the morning selling cookies. Folks, I'm saying that you gotta grind. Everybody say grind. The reason I'm here because I'm a grinder. You can't wait for nobody to give nothing to you. 
you gotta be grinding it out. That's why Damon John said, wake up and, uh, what is it? Rise and grind is the name of his book. The reason why Damon John is uh, known from Shark Tank because he grind. Don't be afraid to grind. People gonna talk about you when you grind. People gonna talk about you because you say, you know, they really ambitious. They gonna make ambition sound bad. All it, they, they money hungry. No, I'm not money hungry. I believe money is a tool. Money is a tool for me to be able to live a certain lifestyle. But more importantly, money is a tool for me to leave a legacy. Someone asked me on a radio or television show somewhere, I said, what's your biggest goal, Willie Jolly? It didn't take me any time to think about it. My biggest goal is 100 years from now, some child will walk into a room, look at a picture of me and my wife, run up to that picture, kiss it, and say, thank you, great, 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 granddaddy for what you did back in 2019, 2020, 2021, so that we could have a house, we could have a business, we could have a future. Thank you. I will never meet that grandchild. But I want to leave a legacy. See, the Carnegies know who their great, great grandfather is. The Rockefellers know who their great-great-grandfather is. We need to create some legacy so that a hundred years from now, we will not know that child, but that child will prosper. See, T.D. Jake said to me one day, he said, give a man a fish, he eat for a day. Teach him a fish, he eat for a, a lifetime. But you help him buy the pond, and his great-great-grandchildren will keep eating. We gotta think differently. We've been we've been conditioned so long that we're thinking uh, the way that many people in our past thought. See, we know that there are different ways of thinking. Indigent people think day to day. They got they stand at a corner and get a cup and say, "Can you hook me up for the day?" And every day they they're trying to just get a day. Poor people think month to month. Is that welfare check coming in today? Middle class people think year to year. Am I going to get a raise this year? Rich people think decade to decade. You know, they say, this decade I'm going to do better than that. But and as you often see, rich people are sports agents, sports people, singers. They're thinking, how can I get a better decade than I got it? But the wealthy think generation to generation. I want more wealthy. How many of us want to be wealthy? Wealthy is when you leave some assets, okay, that create money, that print money. We want more money printing. Am I right about it? Y'all done got me fired up now. See, I'm fired up now. I want some wealth in our community. Am I right about it? I want us to have some wealth. I want us to be able to bless somebody. I want us to be able to bless communities. That's what I want to do. That's my goal. So I'm grateful y'all came. So I'm going to give you all a couple, few, few more things. And I'm going to do something I never do when I speak. I'm going to open up for questions. Because y'all might have some questions that will, you need to hear. So everybody, when this is over, I'm going to give you a bookmarker. They're going to be out at the table. And you, I want you to come get the bookmarker. But on the back of the bookmarker are 10 steps to make this the best year of your life. One guy in Australia, he took this bookmarker. He was 55th in his office, in his real estate office. He took the bookmark, he bought some of my resources, he said, but the bookmark is what changed his life. He bought, he bought all my books, he bought the box, he bought my bags. Uh, I, what, let me just take a moment before I give you this, tell you what, what I, I brought for y'all. I said, what would make the difference? I brought three things, three options. You can get individual books, that's good. 
Get some books. Everybody should walk out of here with a book. But better, so you get good, better, and then best. Better is a bag. We got a bag of books. You, my books, my books are twenty-seven ninety-five, twenty-five ninety-five. But all of them, when you go out there, just throw down a twenty-dollar bill, bill, you get a book. You buy five books for hundred bucks, and I throw in a free book. Is that good? You get a free book. But then I got my box. Now my box is all my books, all my DVDs, all my PBS specials. But then we got even more stuff. We got me and Les Brown. The Entrepreneur's Rich Success Chest. This is a $400 product by itself. And it's got me and Les Brown, the Millionaire Mindset. We did a, a program together. Then it's got uh, me in Australia, how to double your business in a year. And that was for a network marketing group. People doubled their business. Uh, the Will to Win from a pe- uh, demonar- seminars, my faith series. This is one called... FTX, how to turn your setbacks into greenbacks, two CDs. Then my gospel and jazz music. Then my one-man show, two DVDs. And then me speaking for the Society of Human Resource Managers CD. And I got my audiobook CDs. Got all that stuff, plus it got uh, the audiobooks. And, the, and, the, and so everything, that's a $1,250 value that I, I sell for half price. And today, it get even less than that. It's $4.99. Just take the box and go home and give. Now, after you listen to it, I want you to keep the stuff and give one to that cousin of yours who keep coming by asking for money. <laughs> give him some resources. Say, hey, hey rather than the money you ask for, I'm going to give you a book. Or I'm going to give you a CD. Go listen. Well, let me give you the... So those will be available. You got the good, better, best. That's the best. I recommend the best. Go and work. So I've had more people. So that guy bought the box, but he said this, this bookmarker changed his life. He had the things in the bookmark. And it's free. Decide what you want, which is that exercise I told you to do. How you gonna have a dream come true if you don't know your dream? Number two, write it down. Be specific. Don't say you want to be rich. Be specific. Assign a number. How much money you want to make? Anybody know how much money you want to make? Everybody should have a number that they need to retire. You need to have a number that you need to hit to retire. Most people say, oh, I want to be rich. One person's ceiling, another person's floor. Number three, read your goals three times a day. How many have written goals? All right. If you don't have written goals, do that exercise today and write your goals down. A goal that's not written is a wish. A wish have no, no, per, per, no, have no power. Set a date for your goals. If you don't set a date, you will procrastinate. Think of your goals often. Think of your goals every day. Think about being wealthy every day. Think about buying your parents a home. Think about paying your kids tuition. Think about it. Fit that feeling. I want an emotional attraction to being able to do it. I told my wife one time, I said, I'm going to do something nice for you on your birthday. I took her to Paris. And she didn't know where she was going. When we got to the airport, all I said was, bonjour, mon ami. you to dream and imagine. I want you to sit down tonight and do that exercise and dream what it would feel like to be debt free. Have your house paid for. Feel like what it would feel like to go to your church. If you go to church, let me tell you, I go to church. But get it. Be able to put a check in the, in the uh, 
plate as it passed by for 10 grand. Don't have to make a big deal about it. Or walk up to the pastor and say, Pastor, here's a little something for you. For the church today, give him 100 grand. How would that feel? That feel great. That feel great. Okay, number, develop a plan of action. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Then I want you to do three things every day towards your goal. Every day I want you to do three things every day towards your goal. Three things. Ask, write a letter, make a phone call, ask someone for help. Three things every day, every day, every day, every day. Mary Kay Ash built Mary Kay Cosmetics by doing three things every day. Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Campbell we've created uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul Empire by doing three things every day. Just do three things every day. And then um, number nine is stay positive. In a negative word, it's hard. That's why you got to fill yourself with the pure, the powerful, the positive first thing every morning. And then number ten, act like you've already achieved it. You ought to walk in a room like you got a million dollars, even if you got a penny in your pocket. You got to walk and act like you're going somewhere. You know, somebody says, fake it till you make it. I don't have no problem with that. Act like you somebody going somewhere to do something. Amen? All right, now, questions. Before I close up, any questions that y'all have that burning on your spirit? Say, how do I do this or that or what? Yes, sir. How did, how did I start or how do you start? Right. Okay, great, 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 great. That's good. With a podcast, Sirius XM, I'll be honest with you, I slipped in because... Radio 1 had a serious exam and they were trying to get me to leave WHUR-FM where I preceded Stephen Harvey. And I said, I can't leave HUR because I got, a, I got a handshake deal with the guy and I'm a man of my word. But I will do serious for you. And I got serious and serious when Radio 1 pulled out. They kept me on. And then I, the podcast thing blew up. I just, I got a call one day from iHeartRadio. Now here's the answer though. The answer is, I... I got a call from the from iHeartRadio because I called the lady at iHeartRadio I had met and said, can you have the right guy call me? In other words, here's how you start a podcast. Get you, get online, look for the little equipment you got. You got a computer? All you need is a mic. All right? Start your podcast. Start putting it on YouTube and just get the best guests you can get and just keep calling, folks. I got a great podcast. Got some radio stations here? Call Call. I had to call. I had to call Radio One. I had to call WHUR hundreds of times. Persist. Persistence breaks down resistance. Okay, that's it. That's that's the secret to the success. And now it's blowing up. But I'm still calling folks. All right, I'm still calling television radio. They tell me no. I say, oh, I'll call you tomorrow. All right. Yes, ma'am. All right, see, all right, there we go. We got somebody who will help you. There we go, there we go. Y'all connect. All right, that's that's good. Yes, sir. Hey, good, great, great. With all I do, how do I find a good balance? Great question. Because I'm grinding it out Monday through Saturday. I take all Sundays. That's my family day. Unless I'm speaking at a church, I don't, I don't go to my office. I don't answer email. I don't return calls. Sunday, we go to church. We go to lunch. I take a nap. I spend time with my wife. I spend time with my children. And that's my balance. The other thing is that I don't do any business in my bedroom. None. 
absolutely none. I'm not, I'm not doing any but That's my family. When I go to my bedroom, I shut it down. I'm, I have some hard places and hard decisions. Other than that, I'm working. Okay, I'm working late and I'm going to my office. I might be there. Guy called me one night about 11.30. He said, somebody told me you would be here calling. He said, I'm amazed. I said, you got to hoop with the owls if you want to fly with the eagles. But I also make a point, do two more things. I get eight hours sleep every night. Somebody says you can, you know, get less sleep. I don't operate well with less sleep. I just don't do it. I'm not a clear mind. The second thing is I work out every single solitary day. I work out every single solitary day. I told you I'll set some goals, right? If health is not in the top two, number three don't make a difference. You better work out, watch what you eat. My wife has got me eating better. And so setting some health goals. Make your goals clear. Health goals, spiritual goals. My my day is very, very regimented. I wake up, I give God the glory, I pray, I go to the, I get up and get dressed and I go to the gym. And then while I'm at the gym, I read scripture. That's the first thing I do. Read some scripture. Get something to empower me. Okay? All right, any other questions before I close out? Yes, yes, ma'am. Nido Kubain. N-I-D-O. Kubain, Q-U-B-E-I-N. He doesn't do that program anymore because he now is the president of High Point University. If you got a kid, send him to High Point University. He's the president, the most amazing. And if you can go down there, anybody heard of High Point University? Go take a tour. It's the most amazing university. He's now the president of High Point University. And amazing guy. Read his books. Get any of his resources. Yes, ma'am. Ah, Ford. Okay, I'm going to give the Ford story. Before, before I get anything else, anybody personal. Okay, let me tell Ford story. I'll come back to you. 2006, I get a call September of 2006 for Ford Motor Company. They had been, the Ford for those, how many of y'all had a Ford somewhere in your history of your family? Just by everybody. Ford at one point was the dominant automaker in America. 80% of cars driven were Fords. But over time, they took their eye off of excellence. What word did I say? And their market share went down. One day in 2006, they woke up, their market share had gone from 50% down to 15% in one year. They were on their way out of business. They brought in a new CEO, Alan Mulally, who had turned around Boeing, and they said, we need to change this company that was out of business. One of the execs at Ford had read my book, A Setback is a Setup for a Comeback. He had heard me speak at a conference in Florida. He called my office, they called my office, it was the whole conference room, and said, we want you to come help us. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? So we need 25,000 people to take a buyout. We got to get, y'all don't know about UAW is the most powerful union in America. They had cut a deal that there was no retirement age, mandatory retirement age. Some of those people on the line at Ford were 83 and 84 years old, still working, and they were getting the highest level of pay. They said, we got to get these people off the line. We cannot pay them. They're not as productive as we need, but we can't fire them because we already hurting that, that red blood on the print on the newspaper will kill us. So we got to get them leave. Give them $100,000 and four years health and four years college education if they want. That's cheaper than firing them. 
The problem was they started the program in June, and by September, only 400 people had taken their offer. Why wouldn't you take $100,000, Brother Ben? Why wouldn't you? You know why? Because imagine your father worked for Ford, your grandfather worked for Ford, your great-grandfather worked for All you ever knew was Ford. And in a good time, when they were three shifts, you don't have a college education. All you have is a high school GED, but you're working at Ford, and you're, you're making 150000 If your wife works for Ford, you got 300000 you got a house in Detroit, a house in the Upper Peninsula, and an RV. You're living a good life. Well, the, the market started going down. Ford's losing their market share. They go from three shifts to two shifts, and yet the UAW says, you still got to pay these people. So Ford is bleeding money. They're losing a million dollars a month. They called me and said, we want you to motivate these people to take this buyout. We need you to talk them into taking this buyout. <laughs> they said, we know you're good at talking folks into stuff. <laughs> talk them into taking this buyout. And my response was, no. That would be disingenuous for me to tell people because I'm gifted at motivating people to take something, I don't know, their, their financial situation, their household situation. I, I can't do that. But... If you allow me to tell my story, how I was a broke, busted nightclub singer who became one of the top speakers and how I made a decision to look for opportunities everywhere. Let me tell my story. I think you'll get a very good result. They said, fine. Ford booked from September. They booked every date I had to Thanksgiving. We were here in Norfolk at the F-150 plant. Every day I was in a different place. Went in, talked to those folks. Talk to them about their possibilities, about their dreams, what I'm talking to y'all about. Came time for the buyout vote on an offer that we attended again. 38,000 people took the buyout. 50% didn't they, they expect it. One guy, I'll never forget, he came up to me. At the end of my session, he said, let me tell you something. I've been working for Ford for 42 years, and I'm only 58. I've been working here since I was a teenager. I never heard nobody talk about having a dream. Never. All I knew was four. He said, I'm taking this. He took that, he said, I, he took that hundred grand. He bought a Subway sandwich shop. He, he went to work. He now has 12 Subway shops across the state of Michigan and he's a millionaire. I'm telling you folks, so that was 2006. It went so good they brought me back in 2007. They brought me back 2008. As you remember, 2009, Ford was the only one of the big three automakers to be able to reject a government bailout. They went from losing a million dollars a month in 2006 to making a billion dollars in 2009. Did the economy go up between then? No. What changed? Thinking. Mindset. Detroit Free Press wrote an article about Ford's amazing comeback. Put one line in there, I will always be indebted to that guy who wrote that article. It said, their secret weapon was a guy named Willie Jolly. That day, General Motors called me. That day. <laughs> then Walmart called me. Then Prudential called me. Then Prudential of Malaysia called me. Then Prudential of Australia called me. Then South Africa, Coca-Cola called me. Then Dubai, Johnson & Johnson called me. And then one after another has called me for the last nine, uh, ten years now saying, can you do for us what you did before? The power of excellence. Everybody say excellence. <laughs> Paves a path for you. It does. It pays a path for you. Get a reputation for excellence. People will pay your fee. They will pay you. They'll look, they'll search you out. And that article did not have my name, my telephone number, my website. Just said Willie Jolly. That guy called me on my cell phone that day. 
I said, I need you to come. Whatever your fee is, I'll pay it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Give me just a minute. I got 60 seconds in it. And afterwards, he said, I'm a mentor you. And so we, we are best friends now. So thank you. And he does speak about me and his speeches. And now you see, I speak about him. We are best friends. And I'm always praying for him. So, okay. So I, uh, how much more time I got? A few more minutes? My time is up. We're over time. All right. So I'm going to close out. Close out. Uh, let me see. Thank you again, Blair. Thank you. All the elected officials, thank you, Bruce, for introducing me to 200 plus men years ago. I want to thank all the sponsors. I encourage you to support sponsors. I'm big on sponsors. Uh, realty sponsors, I speak for a lot of realtors, state groups, bank sponsors, I speak for bank groups, there's more sponsors. Hampton City, I want to thank you all. I want to thank everybody who's been involved in making this happen. I'll close with this. Um, I am so grateful that I get an opportunity to do what I do for a living. I'm so grateful, and I'm grateful to be here. I hopefully come back again. Oh, let me give y'all um, get a free gift. I, I, I want to make sure I don't forget this. I told y'all, Think and Grow Rich was a book changing my life, right? People, go to williejolly.com slash gift. W-I-L-L-I-E J-O-L-L-E-Y dot com slash gift. But you can also, you can just go to the website and look for the free gift. Go to willajolly.com. If you go to that site, I'm going to give everybody a digital copy of Think and Grow Rich. Okay? It's the books you read that change your thinking. But it's also the people you meet. Some of those people you meet in person. But some of them you meet via audio or video. So I've got some of my podcast folks who changed my life on that page. Wally Famous Amos and Bob Johnson, America's first black billionaire. And their messages for life changing for me. So go there. It's people you meet who inspire you. The books you read that inspire you. So willyjolly.com slash gift. Get the free resources. Get my podcast. Watch it. Listen to my XM show today. You asked me today. It airs today at 4 o'clock. You have XM? Channel 141. Channel 141. Today's guest is a guy named Evans Charles. He is the youngest black hotel owner in America. He owns... Western Hotels who owned, and he heard me speak years ago and he said he changed his life I saw him about six months ago right before I did the interview in fact the reason I interviewed him was I saw him he was leaving one of his hotels I rolled up I rolled around the hotel, I finished speaking and his big black Rolls Royce comes around the corner and, uh, and it stops so I stop and his window goes down slowly and it was Evans Charles young black guy he said, Brother Charlie. I said, whoa. <laughs> Evans, whoa. He said, Brother Charlie, thank you, man. Thank you. He said, I'm living my dream. He said, I just bought this hotel. He has hotels all over the country. Evans Charles. So he's my guest today on my excellent show. How he did it. Single mom. But they've made a commitment. Okay, I got to close. I'm going to close with my favorite story. I'll be around. I stay around. 
ain't got nowhere to go till my brother-in-law speaks in about two hours. So I stay around, take pictures, hug necks, uh, sign everything. I signed everything. I heard an article in People Magazine about a guy who went to Liverpool, England, 1962. He got four guys to sign a playbill, John, Paul, Ringo, and George. He kept that thing for 30 years, took it to Sotheby's, and auctioned it off with a small fee of $350,000. I say that to say, you never know. Some guy you saw in Hampton, Virginia. All right, so get some resources. Everybody should get at least a book, 20 bucks. But if you can, get the bag. But the best is the box. I bought three or four boxes. Get a box. It's usually $1,200. It's half price, usually at uh, seven, $1,250. So it's like $600. Today it's $499. So just get it. Go home and just use it. You go through it piece by piece by piece by piece. It will change your thinking. All right. Close with this, my favorite story. I was a new speaker. I had no books, had no tapes, had no television, had no radio, had no credentials to be a speaker. Struggling to keep the lights on. Struggling to keep the phones on. It was tough. It was tough. And I was struggling. Things were tough, tough, tough. Things were tough. Make sure this one. Okay, great. That's all I need in my life. And it was tough. I was making. I was trying to make things work. I was trying to keep the phones on, the lights on, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. I make sales calls, and people say, "I don't know who you are." They hang up in my face. I get discouraged because I got rejected. Anybody ever got rejected? Get that gut. Connected Willie Jolly's iPad Q and Willie. There you go, it's working now. Anyway, so I was struggling. And I wouldn't make any more calls that day. And the next day. Finally I got my gumption up, I said, I'm gonna make a call today. The first call I happened to make that day was to a gentleman who said, I like the way you talk. I'm having a meeting. I think you'd be perfect. I'll pay you and I'll fly you down. He told me how much he would pay me. I said, wow. He said, you're available? Yes, sir. I went to Orlando. I gave the speech. When I finished speaking, they gave me a standing ovation. Then they gave me my check. I was ecstatic. I finished meeting and greeting people. Went on back to the airport. Feeling good. Got on the plane. Feeling good. Plane took off. Feeling good. And then I pulled that check out a second time to get the thrill a second time. But when I looked at it the second time, I got depressed. Because I realized that money was already allocated. Anybody ever get your check before you get home, you know it's gone? I started having a pity party with myself right there. B-22. An older gentleman across the aisle must have sensed I was struggling. He struck up a conversation with me. He told me he, he, he was a minister. He lectured every day in a different city about health and wealth. I said, you fly every day? He said, yes. I said, you speak every day? He said, yes. I said, wow. We spoke for a few more minutes, then he asked me a question that changed the trajectory of my future. He said, young man, how old do you think I am? I looked him up and down. I said, sir, I think you're about 60. He smiled. He took off his glasses. He looked me dead in the eye. He said, young man, I'm 88 years old. I'm 88. 
and my best is yet to come. Mm. In that moment, everything shifted in my head. If an 88-year-old man could have the optimism to believe that his best days were in front of him and not behind him, what did I have to whine and cry and complain about? And I went home with a new attitude. And I got on that phone and started making sales calls. And if people say no, I say next. They say, I'm not interested in what you got. And hang up on my face. I said, thank you. You're not the right one. Well, 25 years have gone by. I've been inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame. I've been named one of the top five speakers in the world. I got best-selling books, television and radio, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. And I came here today to say to you, without a question in my mind, your best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. This is your day. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Blair. It's on you now, baby. I done done my due. Thank you. You are awesome. Give her one more round of applause because it wouldn't happen. The views expressed on the Fly Guy podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy podcast are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated. (laughs) Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. conscious. Stay fly.